Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the KSL Greenhouse. Pleasure to have you here with us. Tim and Tom, Maria's off, uh, should be back next week on The Greenhouse. Uh, and uh, we are, what a treat today, Tom. We're on the road at the research garden for Olson's Greenhouse. This has never been open to the public. No, it hasn't, and it is gorgeous down here. You know, it's a stop on the Hidden Garden Tour so the public can come in and see it, but there are just so many gorgeous baskets, and there's flowers that you might have seen the species, but they're varieties you've never seen before. Matter of fact, because of that, there are actually some signs that are posted that these are confidential trials, some of them, and so I had to get my my photos cleared for social media here with Brian Lloyd, uh, who is with us. This is serious stuff. This is a beautiful setting. It's something that I enjoy the most about my job is I get to travel the world, me and my growers. Uh, We're looking all the time for new flower varieties. We're working with different breeders, some large and some tiny and small backyard breeders even, looking for all the new flower colors and habits that come out each year. And we gather all those and bring them back here to Utah to try them in our climate because our climate's unique, right? One of our favorite breeders is actually located in Israel. Uh, it's the Danziger Company, and they breed a lot of different beautiful flowers. They're the ones that bred the Amore Petunia that we put in a planter that we call Love That Grows because it has a heart shape in every petal. I saw those at, at uh, Home Depot, and they were flying off the shelf. So those are bred by Danziger in, in Israel, and w- the reason we love Danziger is their winter climate when they trial all these varieties and come up with things that work well in their climate, their winter climate in Israel is very similar to our summer climate in, in Utah. It's, it's dry and highlight um, and very hot. So uh, we pull a lot of genetics from different breeders all over the world, and then we check and see how they're going to perform in our Utah climate. So that's one thing we trial here at the gardens. And then the other thing that I love that we really need your help on um, anybody that's listening today, we put together combinations of flowers into planters. And we're trying to determine what we're going to bring to market in the years to come and what looks best together, what's going to perform well. But really, what what catches your eye and you would want to grace your front patio with? Mm. Um, and we put these combinations together. We have over 300 different combos. And everybody that comes down to the Hidden Garden Tour today and sees us gets the, their opportunity to get a sprinkler flag and vote for their favorite combination. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody where we're at again. We're in Santa Quin. We're in Santa Quin. We're the south, southernmost tip of the Utah Hidden Garden Tour. And we're just on the southwest side of, of Santa Quin, two, uh, 350 west, 200 south in Santa Quin. 
It's not if you miss it. It's not hard to find it. <laughs> if you take, pass into Alberta, you've gone too far. Take a couple of more turns. You'll be here. Take uh, the first Santa Quin exit if you're driving south mm-hmm. on Main Street. And if you, especially if you have a GPS, you can drive right here. But Santa Quin's just not that big. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, uh, I want to have you two just share conversation for our listeners and really for me to talk about this uh, breeding process and the reasons that we go through that. Uh, people just think that, you know, a, a particular color flower pops up and, and it gets thrown into a pot and then delivered to a, a big box store somewhere for us to purchase. But there's so much more behind it. I do want to squeeze a couple of phone calls in here, however, uh, while we wait. Jackie is uh, on the line. I think she was first in South Jordan. Jackie, uh, you said that your garden is struggling a little bit. Describe for uh, Ton what's going on. Well, it's, I planted my beets like a way long time ago, and they're only like a quarter. They came out fine, but they're just not growing. My carrots, my um, my all my viney things look kind of yellowish. My tomatoes are just not growing. They're alive. Everything's alive, but they're just not growing. Never had so, this problem in my growth yeah. box before. Yeah, I think at least for me and Brian can chime in on this too. Uh, the first thing I would look at is irrigation. You know, how often is your garden being irrigated? Well, I water it daily, but it's there are new grow boxes with new dirt or soil, whatever you want to call. I had some soil put in there. Okay, where did and, you get the soil from? I got it from the dirt bag. Okay. That should be fine. And I just sometimes if you get some of these mixes they can be a little hot. It was some salts yeah. and things, but the dirt bags are pretty good, you know, they've got a good product. I think and I was wondering that too, if it's just too wet. You know. You know, I've noticed this year I have a couple of planter baskets on my front porch. And normally you would water them every day, but I've only been having to water them with a cooler weather about three times a week. And there's still, it's more me saying, man, it's been a while and I'll stick my finger in there. And that soil is still <laughs> relatively moist. So yeah. I would maybe look at your irrigation, let the soil dry out between irrigation, stick your finger in there, even if it's a little dry on top, an inch or two down if it's still you know, relatively moist and that you can yeah. feel that moisture on your hand, then, you know, wait another day and check it again. Now, you will hit a point that you probably will need to water, maybe not daily, but three or four times a week. But right now, I would let it dry out a little bit. Don't let it die because, and get it bone dry, but dry it out a little bit between irrigations. And, Brian, do you have any? I think the only other thing, the only other thing is we are, everybody knows we're a little late this spring. Um by a couple weeks actually and what's unique is we're getting all this cloud cover every day whether you get precipitation at your house or not the cloud cover is going to block the sun which is going to keep the soil temperatures from heating up so if you're comparing to last year or prior years the soil's probably not as warm as it has been but that could change any day now Uh, and it's warming up daily right just like Lake Powell's filling daily Um, we're getting warmer soil temps and once that soil warms up you might see things take off as well so yeah, my my soil, my boxes are pretty deep. They're 18 inches deep, so I think way down there they're probably real wet. So, yeah, okay, I'll try that. All That's right, Jackie, thanks, Thank thanks for so the much. call. 
Uh, we have Olson's planters uh, at our house. We put four in the backyard, two in the front, and the front is east-facing. Both of you have been at my house before, uh, or sorry, west-facing, and uh, we're finding that we were overwatering those pots a little bit. They were uh, not looking so healthy, so we backed off because we were watering them the same way we did in June last year. And what we ended up doing is drowning them. And uh, because we were getting those clouds in the afternoon, they just didn't need it. And all of a sudden, that they've greened up. They've started to, you know, sprout, you know, some blossoms. Again. Yeah, we we think about prior years and how we've done things in the past and what has worked for us. And that's usually a good starting point. But then you have to kind of monitor each week of the year as well, each day of the year, and see what the weather's doing to you. Yeah. We had another call. Uh, I think it was Thelia. Uh, I hope, Ophelia, uh, in uh, Payson. Did I get the name right? Ashila. Ah, great. All right. So uh, go ahead with your question. So I've been um, watering. I have some trees in pots, and they're the red maples. And I've been watering them with a drip system. And this spring, I moved them into another field that actually waters with sprinklers. And I think the water getting on the leaves is turning them brown. They're kind of, they're just dying. And I'm just wondering if there's something I can spray them with. I've moved them back under the drip system so that they're not getting on the, the water's not hitting the leaves. But I'm just wondering if there's something I can do to help them recover. So when you say red maples, there's several trees. Are these Japanese maples or red, like columnar red leaf maples or... They're like um, the Norway maples, like October Glory, it's Celebration, and Burgundy So they're Bell. actual Acer rubrum red maples. So they're, yeah, that's, it's funny because the Japanese maples are sometimes called that. Norway maples with red leaves are sometimes called that. And then we have the species red maple. So you've got, you said that you have these trees in pots still? Yeah, they're like in 20-gallon pots. Okay, and are you doing this for ornamental reasons or just haven't planted them yet or... Uh, no, I'm actually, I have that tree farm in West Mountain. You actually oh, came down okay. to help this friend. Okay. You know, what I will tell you is um, stay on the line with Michelle, and Mike and I can probably stop by this next week since you're commercial and look around. Okay. But those Acer rubrums, we've been cool enough that I don't think that irrigation water hitting the leaves is causing them to scorch. Uh, It could be, but those rubrums can sometimes, you know, especially if they were just shipped out of the Pacific Northwest, getting to a drier climate uh, will sometimes cause them to do such things. Uh, Did you say you got them this year or did you overwinter them in your pot? No. Yeah, I've had them actually like four or five years. Okay. Okay. Well, let's do this. Um, Michelle, if you'll get her information, also, I think you might have emailed me or Mike, and yeah, you still have my is. email. Email me, and we'll stop by. Okay. Okay. Yep, that sounds great. I appreciate it. All right. We appreciate the call, and that'll clear a line at KSL Talk, 801-575-8255. We'll take another break today and just remind you where we are. We're in Santaquin at a beautiful spot and uh, just a spectacular spot. Uh, stop on the Hidden Garden Tour that's going on today, and there is a website where you can get more information on Hiddengarden.org, that. Hiddengarden.org, so hiddengarden.org, and you can get information from there on where the starting points are to get your maps. And Brian, do you know if you can buy the tickets online? And you can buy tickets there, and not only that, I forgot to mention earlier, 
we're giving away a $500 shopping spree today. There's a raffle going on. So, and you can you can even purchase more raffle tickets. But everybody that buys a ticket to the Hidden Garden Tour and comes to the check-in garden at where we're at, at the Olson's Greenhouse trial site, gets one free raffle ticket for that drawing. Wow, $500 to $500 spend where? shopping spree in our greenhouses with an exclusive behind-the-scene tour oh because gosh. we're not o- normally open to the public. Whoo, what a treat today. Yeah. And just coming by here, uh, we'll have food up and running in a bit. I see the street tacos. There's uh, also some uh, churros that are coming. And this opportunity to see something that's never been open to the public before is really a great one. So come by. Say hi. We'd love to see you. We'll take another break. We'll come back and finish out the first hour of the KSL Greenhouse. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. D minor and Mike. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Tim and Tom on the road today. Maria's back with you next week, but it uh, is great to be here. Where are we? We're on the road, and I don't know that you could have asked. We said this last week, didn't we? Can't ask for a better weather day. You really can't. Got in here this morning. It was just a bit windy, and within 20 minutes, that wind died down. We're in the high 60s, and just a gorgeous location we've got the ball fields behind us the flowers here and then the mountains just off in the distance looking at santa quinn canyon yeah and brian was saying just to the east of us here this peak is called what dry dry mountain dry mountain doesn't look dry it's right beautiful now. today <laughs> uh they are uh, lush and green today with all the precipitation we've had which is fantastic this uh, hidden garden tour is going on from 10 a.m this morning until six tonight from Springville to Santa Quinn, there is a bonus garden, uh, Brian, you were saying, in Holiday, and it'll be open tomorrow. The Montrone Garden. People were saying last year that was worth the pr- the, the price of the ticket alone. Huh. Uh, we'll tell you more about the research garden here in just a minute with Brian, but I do want to answer one of the questions that's come in on our text line, and uh, it was the first one, I think, we received talking about planting a hot wings maple, two feet tall, has two trunks, wanting to know if there's anything special as far as pruning goes. Well, if they're wanting one trunk, just pick the one that is the best shaped and has the most branches on it that are well rounded as long as the branch angle isn't too narrow they could leave it multi-trunked uh, just for our listeners hot wings maple is a it's a less common maple that gets about 20 to 25 feet tall it tolerates our alkaline soil and gets an orangey red fall color but on this hot wings when it produces those little maple helicopters they are a brilliant red and look like almost like flowers, and they stay on the tree for a lot of the summer. And so you have these beautiful green trees with these red um, 
seeds on there, and it's just a really nice contrast. It's become very popular. It has. I'm seeing more and more of them. But the Hot Wings Maple, once you get them established, they're pretty low maintenance. We were talking, and I admitted that we were overwatering some of the uh, beautiful pots that we have that we purchased uh, from Olson's this year, and that we were doing what we did last year at this time and may have been overwatering them. And since we backed off on the water, things are really starting to uh, look much better. There's a question here on the text line. It says, a strange year for my vegetable garden, which is the second question we've had of things not performing well. And they were wondering, with all of the rain that we've had, if maybe they are overwatering. My guess is that's happening quite I a bit. I think so. My, You know, we've got those planters and flowers in my front yard. And they're my 14-year-old daughter's kittens almost her babies yeah and she'll be out there every day just watering away and i notice the petunias yellowing out the marigolds with red leaves this is kind of a sign of overwatering and i had to tell her is like you're gonna love those to death if you don't back off a little bit and so the um option that i i just the cooler weather the cloud cover the monsoonal moisture i think that normally when we'd water every day it's just been too much so far yeah so uh, take that into into consideration here 80s today matter of fact 80s all all the way through the next seven days uh and uh, those afternoon thunder showers at least a chance of it coming up we have uh, just a few minutes here before we finish out the first hour uh brian olson is with uh, brian olson how many times do i do that (laughs) brian lloyd from olson's uh, is going to skedaddle here Although a little he bit. Although he is an Olsen. I'm he, an Olsen, he, but he, he is. just not by blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to skedaddle here in a little bit because your home is on this garden it tour. Is. But it I want to talk about this location because it's never been opened uh, to the public. And it's a research garden that you're actually looking for the public's help and doing a few, little voting today. Yeah, we have two purposes of the research gardens here in Santa Quinn. The primary purpose is to bring new varieties in that haven't been released to the market yet and test them in our climate. They come from all over the world, different breeders, make new flower colors all the time. We bring them here and see how they're going to perform in our in our unique Utah climate, right, and make sure that they're going to perform throughout the season if they're an annual and if they're going to come back from year to year if they're perennials in our area. And so that's the primary reason. But today we're opening the gardens up because we put together over 300 combinations of flowers in planters. They've been growing on for several months, so they're full and lush. They look beautiful, but we can't plant 300 combinations every year. So we want the public's opinion. We want you to tell us what your favorite colors are and combinations of planters uh, so that we can know what to put in our combos next year. And there's a lot of thrillers and spillers out there. (laughs) And it's funny, uh, when you see one that's unique, there are a lot of uh, flags already posted there yesterday. We, Kenton was telling us there were 400 people that stopped by. We got about 400 votes yesterday, you and they're sure all sprinkled te- out. You can see what people like. Yeah, you, you can tell uh, when there's a unique look to one of the pots, uh, immediately people are drawn to it. And this one I have right next to me is our plant of the week, is one of the components. Uh, it's a kufia, and this one's called Presidente. This is new for next year, this variety of kufia, and it attracts pollinators. It's drought tolerant, but it's also mixed with a couple different colors of petunia, kind of an apricot color petunia and a red petunia, and this color combination is just gorgeous. It really is. Ton, uh, I don't know if you can see that from where you're sitting. Yes, I can. And that is very gorgeous. I really love the color combination you've got in or the contrasting dark red, a little bit lighter red, and then the, um, oh, my gosh. Peach, apricot. Peach, apricot, <laughs> yeah. I love the combination you have there, but just a gorgeous, gorgeous plant. 
We're going to have to break for news at the top of the hour, but again, we're in Santaquin and uh, easy to find. Uh, give them the address again, Brian. We're 350 West, 200 South in Santa Quin. Southwest side of Santa Quin. Just take the Main Street, Main Street Santa Quin exit, which is 245, right? I believe so. At exit 245 off I-15. Head west a few blocks and you're here. Just use the number system on the streets and it'll bring you right in. All right. Hour number two of the greenhouse is coming up here in just a minute. The food will be ready, uh, too, by the time. What's the earliest you've ever had a taco in the morning, Tim? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm a bad one to ask (laughs) because as we were just talking about, lunch for me comes about 9 a.m., which will be weird for people. Let's get you a taco (laughs) here right soon. We may do that. Uh, ABC News is coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.